I self-identify as a runner, although physically and probably mentally I am not. <laughs> you know, and I encourage anybody to kind of break away and challenge yourself to start a new chapter when it just doesn't feel like the one that you're in should keep going. It feels like that chapter should end. Like, go, 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 follow your dreams. This is my voice on Yes! <laughs> yes. We are in. Oh my goodness, I'm excited. <laughs> it was worth the wait, everybody. It was worth the wait. Technology you, will not beat us. You do uh, not know the treat that you are in for today. <laughs> with Merritt and Blaine together. Because I know the joy that my heart has been filled with. Having these two guys in my life when they're together. And even though we're far apart, we're always close together in our hearts. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very excited after that. That was very exciting. <laughs> Thank you, Russell. We should do this all the time. Um, I think we can just schedule it every day. Uh, you tell us what time you wake up. Merritt and I will call you. You said that you don't have time for reading or the, any of the other things that you want to do, but we can carve out time for this. This I can kind of carve out time for, yes. It'll be worth it. <laughs> all right, Merritt, we are going to start with you. You have a really unique um, program that you've been doing for a number of years now. And people want to know, I, in fact, I've been to uh, Race to Adventure two years, and I don't really know the real, true story behind how it all got started. Oh. So I think that's what something that people really want to know. So you have not listened at all to Merritt's welcome meetings. <laughs> oh, well, I think, I think maybe I just get there late. <laughs> ah, well, that's, or you fall asleep because you're jet lagged or something like that. But no, I, I mean, I actually, well, it's my story, so I kind of love it, right? But... Um, it's a pretty interesting and cool story. So can I give it to you? Absolutely, you can. Okay, well, here's, here's, here's what happened. A long, long, long time ago, in the late 90s, there was a show called The Eco Challenge. And The Eco Challenge was the most killer show on TV, if you ask me. I ended up finding out at a later time that it was the most expensive TV production coming out of the United States. And what it was, it was teams of four racing with multiple disciplines and if one person fell out of the race the whole team was out but they would be rafting and they would be hiking and they would be biking and they would be climbing and they were the most elite athletes i'd ever seen and my father and i would watch it and, and we would absolutely love it. it was on the discovery channel it moved over to usa networks at some point i think it even started on mtv sports before i started watching it and i fell in love with it i absolutely fell in love with this concept and I loved that they were on these international adventures and they were like doing everything they could. And they were risking life and limb to compete. And, um, and you know, again, if one person came out of the race, that whole team was out. And there was Team Nike and Team Hewlett Packard. And like they were sponsored by big software companies. And if anybody watched it back then, like we have a special bond. When I say Eco <laughs> Challenge and someone goes, oh my gosh, yeah, I love the Eco Challenge. Well, that was really cool. So I quit my job in New York City. I was working in Times Square. And I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. I thought I was going to live in a ski town. And so I did indeed decide to pack my car and drive cross country. And right before I did, I actually called my favorite TV show and said, I really want to come work for you. They're like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that is not important. What's important is I want to be a part of the Eco Challenge. 
It's my favorite TV show. Like, can you just listen? Can you imagine if this from a car that? phone? Is this one of those like old school car phones? Uh, no, no. Actually, this was <laughs> this would have been two thousand one by now. So in two thousand one, I had what is okay. still my cell my cell phone number today from New York. My nine one seven number. Nice. So um, so anyhow, but like, could you imagine if ever, everyone called their favorite TV show and somehow got a hold of the production company and said, "I want to work for you." <laughs> um, so anyhow, they were like, oh, well, we really love your enthusiasm and you have some, you have pretty great background, you know, and there's some ways that we could probably use you. But unfortunately, there's no volunteer spots available because the Eco Challenge would take up 120 volunteers every time. That's how many people you need to execute this thing between yeah. checkpoints and volunteer medical technicians and um, PR, journalism. There's all sorts of things that you could do. And, um, and so, but then I got the call. It was like, maybe like six weeks later. And they said, Merritt, can you make it to New Zealand in like four weeks? And I said, yes. And they said, well, we'll see you in New Zealand. Saying and yes so, always comes with uh, something great. I mean, it was so cool. And I, I was, I was fairly um, foot and fancy free. Like I didn't have a job and I was kind of moving on to my next chapter in life. And so. I mean, that could be a whole other podcast, but I went to the Eco Challenge and I literally, I mean, I met a lot of the staff and some of the racers well before the race because I got to Queenstown, New Zealand a little bit earlier than the other volunteers. And I basically was that guy I was like, how can I help? Let me know what I can do, anything at all. And I was in that office and I was shaking hands and, you know, putting, uh, meeting Mark Burnett, who um, of course is the creator of Survivor and Apprentice and Shark Tank. Well, before all that, he created Eco Challenge. You could argue that without the semi-fame of Eco Challenge, the idea of starving twenty people on an island and voting <laughs> them off may have never taken place. Yeah. So now um, that's been going on for twenty plus years, right? Survivor has been going on for a long time. Totally, totally. And so I got into Eco Challenge. I remember um, um, the night before the race started because they started with horseback riding that year. And the, the sun, you know, was coming up and the horses were there and there was fog and like, you wish there were bagpipes, but that really doesn't work in New Zealand. And, um, super cool. But the, the night before that, I remember laughing myself to sleep. I've only done that a few times, but I literally was so happy about my surroundings and where I was and it was cold and I was in my tent because you had to BYO tent, bring your own tent. And I, and I was just laughing like I had... You know, and I encourage anybody to kind of break away and challenge yourself to start a new chapter when it just doesn't feel like the one that you're in should keep going. It feels like that chapter should end. Like, go, 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 follow your dreams. Call up your favorite TV show <laughs> and make it happen. It can happen. Or so, whatever it is. If if it's a completely different dream, if you can find yourself laughing yourself to sleep, like, I can't believe I am here around yeah. the world, then yeah. you've done it. You've figured it out, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. So, um, yeah, in your dorm room, in your existing bed, but with a different career, like find yourself giggling <laughs> in bed. Um, so anyhow, so uh, that went incredibly well. And like I said, that could be a whole other podcast. But then um, I worked, for, I, then I did so well as a volunteer <laughs> that I worked um, for the Eco Challenge in Fiji and I became the director of the volunteers. Uh, and so I was handling 120 volunteers and that was wonderful too. And here we were, doing what I really appreciate doing, which is supporting amazing elite athletes. I am not, 
an amazing elite athlete. I'd love to be. I aspire to be. I wish I was. But I'm probably past the point where it's going to happen. So, um, so I just, never I too love, late. There, there's yeah. a wheelhouse out there for you. You just haven't uh, found it yet. <laughs> so, yeah, so, curling, curling so, um, is. So, so I was supporting these, um, these teams, and and I was like, well, this is never going to happen. I'm never going to be on one of these teams, but I could support this for a long time. Eco Challenge ended up canceling. Then I went over to uh, because Mark Burnett had started Survivor. And that was not the most expensive TV production ever. It's probably the least expensive TV production. <laughs> you don't even have to feed the people on camera. <laughs> so, um, you know, there was no more choppers flying through the air and video cameras, you know, capturing moments. It was, um, it was, it was Mark on an island. So then came the Eco Primal Quest, which was the largest adventure race in the United States. Uh, and I became the director of uh, logistics and sponsorships, and also oversaw the volunteers um, for that. We did that one in Lake Tahoe, nice. the San Juan Islands up in Washington, uh, Moab, Utah, mm-hmm. and um, it was a very, very good race. Uh, nothing ever compared to the Eco Challenge, but again, there I was supporting Uber athletes. Finally, the last thing I did before um, Race to Adventure came to be was I went down and I worked on a, um, an ultra-running race called the Coastal Challenge. It's actually still in existence every year. And what happens in the Coastal Challenge is you run. And that's my favorite discipline. Like I personally, I love to, to jog, I love to hike, I love to run. Um, and so I latched onto my favorite discipline, right? Because there's big biking yeah. events that you could do. There's big sure. rafting events, but I, I, lo- I latched onto the big running events. And there I was in Costa Rica having the time of my life, but I was watching these amazing runners run a marathon per day, followed by a half marathon the next day, followed by a marathon the next day. And all they did all day was run. That's it. Yeah. They didn't really see the country except for on the trail that they were on. They didn't experience the culture. They didn't do anything philanthropic. They just really challenged these amazing ultra runners to an amazing week. And I would just watch these runners come in because the ones that weren't like at the front of the pack it would take them all day and the sun would be going in and they would limp in and they'd get foot medical Well, these care. are runs like through the jungle too. It's not just like a marathon on a road. It's through the jungle, through trails, through the heat of Costa Rica. The humidity. Yeah, all those challenges, The humidity, right? right? Like even after the first mile, it looks like you've jumped in a swimming pool. <laughs> You're sweating so much. Um, so yeah, all of those things. And they would limp in and they would eat dinner and they'd go to bed. Because they were number one, they were so exhausted, and number two, they had to do it again the next day. Yeah. And I thought to myself, and I was talking with the medical director at that time, and it was just he and I were just sitting down at night having a beer because everybody else wasn't drinking, everybody else was sleeping. <laughs> and we said, "What if we did this for everyone? Like, what if we could create a concept where you could walk or run five k to ten k, like so many people do throughout the world, right? So many right. people run that five k in their hometown." And what happens after that 5K? Because it's only 9.30 in the morning at that point. Well, they feel great. You feel accomplished. You feel established. Like the distance didn't matter. You got yourself out of bed. You got your exercise. You're surrounded by a lot of cool people. And in the distance, like roped off, if you're over 21, is a beer tent. (laughs) Um, And then after maybe you have that one beer after your early morning run, you're like, wow, the whole day is ahead of me. I feel spectacular, not just because I got the exercise, but because I've got the whole day ahead of me. Like, notice there are no local 5K or 10K races, for the most part, 
that start at two in the afternoon. Like that's just right. not the thing to do. It's not the smart thing to do um, for a lot of different reasons. And so I wanted to take basically essentially blend the concept of a local 5K or 10K and also mix in those components from Costa Rica and New Zealand and Fiji and having an international adventure mm-hmm. without being this amazing Uber rock star sponsored athlete. And so yeah. that, that is how it came to be. I love it. So what was the first year that you did Race to Adventure? The first year we did Race to Adventure was in 2007. Man, 2007. And um, I'm just, I'm like, I'm literally, I'm looking up into the ceiling and I'm just <laughs> looking back. Um, but yeah, it was in 2007. Um, super nervous. Like I knew I could do it. I had all the skills and I'd worked on so many races, but now it was my baby. Yeah. And, um, and so, and I needed to do it for cheap, right? Like I needed, I needed my budget to be very minimal. I needed, um, a price point that was doable for anybody that, you know, could travel all the, all the way down to Costa Rica. And so it was a little bit different way back when in 2007, um, it was only camping. So in Costa Rica, um, unknowing like what the weather would be. And let's not forget where rainforests come from, right? They come from a lot of rain. <laughs> and these were not pro campers. They, some of them might've like borrowed their friend's gear to get down there, but like that allowed us to cut out lodging sure. from, the, from the budget. A huge expense and logistics thing. Oh right? my gosh. And we were camping out <laughs> in like abandoned schoolyards and like somebody's backyard and... Um, it was a crazy, crazy time. And by the way, I'll tell you one very quick story about that first year. Tell us. We got so lucky because we decided to do this course on the Caribbean side of Costa Rica. Most people go to the Pacific side. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend any of the listeners, if you're going to Costa Rica, yes, the Pacific side is amazing and beautiful, gorgeous and wonderful. But if you have additional time, my second recommendation is you do make it over to the Caribbean side. It actually gets a little sketchy. There's a city called Limon. L I M O N. Mm-hmm. That's a city that you do not stop in, not to go to the bathroom, not to pick up a trinket, <laughs> not to pick up a box to lunch. You just go straight through it or around it, and then you. Overall, the- Costa Rica is very safe. But overall, overall, yes. Costa Rica is very Limon safe. Limon is is kind of the uh, hot the spot sketch. to avoid. It's, it's yeah. the capital of sketch in Costa Rica, <laughs> um, but we kind of we went that way. We rafted down to Turialba, and um, and then we went over to um, Puerto Viejo. And Puerto Viejo is this cool, sleepy, Rasta, Caribbean town. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually run to the very furthest southern point of Costa Rica called Manzanillo. And that is literally the border of Panama. You could take a boat and they will they will boat you over to the archipelago of um, uh, Boca, Boca del Toro um, for just a couple bucks. So it's a really, really cool area. But anyhow, the week was great. We were like... Again, staying at this, then we were staying like one night, we were staying at an abandoned hotel, and like the <laughs> swimming pool was filled, but you probably shouldn't have swam in it. And, um, but we like filled we with got, rainwater. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then we got out of there alive and um, without rain and without bad weather, without anything. Well, the last night was the final party. Great dinner on the beach. Everybody's, you know, having cocktails and celebrating. And you felt that first raindrop. And I was such a cheap guy back then. Uh, and, and, and 
buddy says to me, uh, one of the Ticos, which is a very, very acceptable term for a Costa Rican, by the way, but mm-hmm. one of the Ticos came up to me and said, hey, we can have that house, and he points at it right over there because it's an outdoor dinner on the beach. We can have that house all night. It has three bedrooms upstairs, a big living room, and we only had 43 racers, right, and about mm-hmm. eight staff, so like 51 of us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, $200, I, you know, I don't know. I don't. I mean, divide that by 51 people. It's like four bucks a piece. And I was like, ah, I don't think so. I don't think we need it. Well, the rain came. I mean, it came. And I was like, okay, okay, we'll do it. We'll do it. Like, so throw them the 200 bucks. Like, I got my petty cash with me. We all run in. And we've got, like, all of our alcohol for the final celebration. And the rain comes. I mean, it it just keeps coming. Sheets of it. Like the real rainforest type rain, <laughs> even though we're on the beach. And we had the best time. You could barely hear each other. There's music going. We've got like the portable speaker. Um, and um, we're, we're playing drinking games. We're laughing. We've had such a great week together. Then like it's two in the morning. The rain never stopped. <laughs> and we got in our tents. The rain never stopped. When we got out of our tents that morning, they floated. Oh, my goodness. When your body got out of the tent, there wasn't (laughs) enough weight to hold it down. We were in a pond. (laughs) And I'm telling you, not one tent, not one sleeping bag made it back to the United States or Canada. (laughs) They were like, well, (laughs) that did the trick for a week. (laughs) <laughs> but like where are you gonna hang that thing dry in a humid country you know with a flight of basically 36 hours from then and so that that is my first that's the first race to adventure that's awesome oh man great stories <laughs> times great have changed stories. right you know times a little have changed. bit a little bit <laughs> so yeah, there's been quite the migration from from those early days in Costa Rica to what we did just this past year. In, yes, in, in Europe, to- and, uh, totally step, true. Step stepwise migration, I would say, uh, wasn't a big jump to get from point A to point B or where we're at now, whatever yeah. point that is. But lots uh, of small steps. Um, oh yeah, I mean, like we were we were basically we mostly camp. Then we went to 2008, 2009. It was all like mostly camping, and we were only in Costa Rica. Then we took 2010 off because we wanted to reinvent ourselves. Like we had been doing the same courses mm-hmm. and the same itinerary. We got lazy, and, um, and and but but we had like you know maybe I don't know what was it like 70 people in 2008, and then we had 85 people in 2009, um, and then we had this great little following of people, and they were they loved us and we loved them back, but they were like, hey, love you guys, love Costa Rica. <laughs> But the right way to spend my money and use my time is not to go and do the same thing. Right. Um, and so we were like, well, we're not really marketers. We don't know how we're going to keep on finding new audiences. A lot of these people were friends or friends of friends and things like that. Uh, and so clearly what we needed to do was um, listen to our people, our new tribe that had been formed, and find new places to do Race to Adventure. And by the way, like um, for anybody listening – the, the formats were 5K to 10K every morning for five mornings. Um, but you would be down there for seven nights or eight nights. And, uh, and we, we basically have five races over the course of a week. So we, we wanted to essentially take that concept that anyone could do, walk, run, hike, jog, whatever it is, cross that finish line no matter what, and, and bring it all over the world. When we went down to Ecuador... 
want to get it right. Yeah, when we went down to Ecuador, you could you could do one of two things. You could pay extra for lodging, or you could camp. You could do one of the two things. Yeah. Uh, and so it was a little bit of a hybrid and some haves and have-nots. But it's like, hey, dude, I'm sorry, but like the registration option for lodging was there. You did not <laughs> take it, and you brought your tent, and that's the deal. Um, and then in Panama, we did the same thing. And then, and that was 2013. And then in Peru in 2015, it was all lodging. We finally said, no more tents, no more sleeping bags, no more, no more crossing fingers on weather, no more, no more of that. So sure. we, we have elevated our game a bit. <laughs> I'd sure. say more than a bit. It's like, like Blaine said, it was stepwise, but like each step was in the right direction. Each step was progress for sure. Yeah, and I think I think people evolve to this place. I mean, number one, number one is you get older. Um, number two is maybe you attend a number of race to adventures. Um, number three, um, just wanting to um, sleep well and be comfortable during your time off. People understand the value of paying a little bit more money in return for really good accommodations, and so we we're we're staying on that path. We will not be going back to camping. <laughs> So Merrick, tell us about some of the stories of people that have um, found <laughs> themselves or found something different with Race to Adventure. Like, does that make sense? Like, can you think of somebody? You don't even have to name names. Oh, I don't know. Maybe Blaine. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Why don't we start with Blaine? And that's a great start. I'll piggyback start. off of Blaine. I mean, okay. I'd love to hear from Blaine's perspective because I love that guy. <laughs> Who doesn't? And, I mean, I don't know a single human being that doesn't love Blaine. A race to adventure without Blaine is like, oh, that just hurts my heart. All um, right, Blaine. What's the first? I, what's the I first year you went? I appreciate you moving to Costa Rica this year, Mary. I might be able to make it in November. Oh, <laughs> oh nice. That makes me so happy. <laughs> oh, that would be great. That would be Let me so check great. with the wife and the baby first. Okay. <laughs> okay. The baby says yes. The baby knows. The baby would say He's yes. He's got Blaine blood in the him. The baby would go with. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but I mean, I would say like before Blaine like lays it on us here, like there's the Blaine that, you know, came to Race to Adventure all by his lonesome. And there's, you know, the Blaine there is today who was in Ireland and brought friends, maybe 10, 12 yeah. friends with him out of the 200 um, to Ireland in June of 2019. So, so lay it on us, Blaine. It, it took a long time to recruit them. I went to several race to adventures before anybody believed me. I wasn't crazy. Um, What's yeah, the first year you e went? Ecuador. Ecuador 2011. Was ah, the yes. first year I had went. That was um, a good one. I had seen the solo ad, I do believe, that you put it in Trailrunner magazine. And saw it, and I threw it out. Like I, I was branching out, right? Like, like you had said, I, I had uh, taken that that leap of faith, moved eight hours away down to the southeast for for work, and was getting into running a little bit more. And um, had come across your ad. I, I had just started trail running, so uh, I threw it out to all the family and friends and anybody I could email to. Here's this thing. I don't even know if you had a website then. I remember talking to you ahead of time, like. Um, this guy sounds pretty convincing. I'm still not sure he's just, not just going to take my money and run. But I got one person, college friend, Brianna, came along with me that first year. 
That's right. I remember. And yep, yep. And she spoke a little Spanish, like uh, probably better than this, than the Spanglish I speak now, <laughs> even after doing this for several years. But um, so that that was my jumping off. And and you're probably right. I was kind of more of a watcher and a learner, and kind of taking it all in as a lot more conservative than um, a lot more maybe introverted. I was, I was getting more introvert, extroverted. But it was my first big foreign trip, so I did a week with Rest to Adventure. Then I went off on a week on 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 my own. Ryan and I did. All the way up and down the coast of Ecuador and back, and it and it got me out of my international shell. Um, since then, I haven't missed a race to adventure. I've been I've been to all the rest of them through Central South America and Europe, and uh, wasn't able to sign up for Costa Rica for the spring because of the little guy coming into the world. That's but, right, congratulations, um, Blaine. Yes, congratulations, newborn, newborn so baby, great. whole new adventure in its, in its own. <laughs> Absolutely, um, very much so. And uh, so now, now, now trying to figure out the new life balance, married, got a house, got a baby and trying to figure mm-hmm. out where, where, where things settle out <laughs> after that. Um, but yeah, through, through my years of going to race to adventure, I, if I had to pick one, I think, I think Amy asked this um, over in Spain and if I had to pick one. I think Guatemala might've been my favorite. Uh, Probably oh, such a beautiful country. That yeah. country is amazing. Course. beautiful area smaller group for that trip and just completely off the beaten path probably most of the time there i think i think that smaller group atmosphere uh, is what made that one special um that by the way that was actually the first one that we didn't have camping guatemala i was, I was thinking that well thank goodness like i mean guatemala <laughs> like tell them why it was special that's really important because that was actually the smallest attended race that we had had for a long time and it was almost like we went back, like maybe we'd done something wrong because um, I think Ecuador had 100 people, give or take, one or two bodies. And, um, and Guatemala went back down to like 41. Uh, but, you know, Guatemala wasn't on anyone's map. Like they, it was, and it was unsafe. Well, um, yeah, there was a coup that was thrown like two months before we went, right? <laughs> there was a coup. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what we were thinking. Like again, Fortunately, like cheap was... self came out. It was an affordable trip to put together, but <laughs> we uh, we had the armed escorts the entire time, so we felt safe. We were good. <laughs> we really, we literally like the guy who was our rafting guide came with us all week, and it turns out that he was the nephew of the the vice president of the country. Wow! And so she <laughs> gave us armed militant escorts throughout the country <laughs> and they were in a jeep four of them with machine guns and they followed us around for the whole week wow. we've not had to do anything like that since <laughs> <laughs> and by and by the way craziest thing ever happened what we do at race to adventure is we always ask people to bring down a backpack full of school supplies and then we find a day that we give those school supplies to a school in need or a community in need and it's one of our favorite things that we do every every time that we do a race to adventure it's just like it could be an hour or two but it just means so much mm-hmm. and so we did that and the teachers were so appreciative the head teacher was so appreciative that night we were in this town and we heard rumor that there was going to be this giant revolution and that it was going to take place at sunrise and we were at the bar it was 11 at night we're like well <laughs> i said come on I don't know about this whole revolution <laughs> thing, guys. <laughs> Sounds overblown. So. And they're like, we should all, we should leave now at like midnight because there's going to be a revolution. I was like, come on. Like, 
there's probably a, maybe there is a revolution tomorrow, but not before we leave at eight in the morning. Who gets up early for a revolution? <laughs> <laughs> so really motivated knock, people, as it turns out. A knock comes on my door at six a.m. and says, "It's and someone says it's happening. Get everyone up, and we gotta go." And I'm like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> so we're knocking on everybody's doors. We're like. Don't sit down for breakfast. Like, grab your fruit, grab something, get on the bus. We're so sorry. We got to get out of here. It was the only road out of this town. Our weekly itinerary would have been shot. There would have been so many things we wouldn't have been able to achieve if we couldn't get out. And they had rolled gigantic boulders, boulders onto the road so that no trucks or cars or anything could come in or out. And there were all sorts of civilians with machine guns. And like, you know, bandanas, like COVID-19 bandanas <laughs> around their faces and we were, and signs, revolution, like the whole thing. It was real. And our buses were just stopped. They're like, what are we going to do? And we had somebody with us from Guatemala. We had a couple people with us from Guatemala, both medical and course director. Um, they got out. They started talking to the locals. Well, it turns out the head of this town's revolution, uh, the, the, the liberation, the liberals, um, the liberator, liberatadores, what's mm-hmm. the Spanish word for that? Um, he was the head teacher from the day before that we had given all oh, the school wow. supplies to. And he said to his compatriots, move the boulders. These people are good people. They can pass. And then we'll, then our revolution will begin. <laughs> True story. Wow. That is amazing. And they moved the boulders. They parted the sea. And we went through, and everybody was like, holy cow, what just happened? I mean, Blaine, is that – did I exaggerate anything? (laughs) Step by step, that is exactly what happened. I don't remember getting Uh, breakfast this morning. I just remember getting a knock on the door and and piling into the buses and going. Um, Yeah, that that was pretty wild. I think we hightailed it right through Guatemala City that day, didn't we? We had we had the escort, and then we got when we got close to Guatemala City, we got we got additional support, <laughs> and they had the lights on. Wow! Boom! It'd be, it'd be like <laughs> I don't know, go, going straight through Nashville, not no stopping, no nothing, straight on through, lights to and fro, like four four armored vehicles escorting. We stopped at a McDonald's, <laughs> and there was a uh, was it a, a army troop there, army platoon there. Oh, that sounds yes, yeah. I, I was like McDonald's. Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> but oh, yeah, bathroom bathroom break. I think is what it was. But yeah. um, didn't he ask you what in the hell we were doing there? Oh yeah. <laughs> it said, "Call me if anything happens at all." Yeah, there were. There's just no <laughs> groups of forty plus right. Americans and Canadians tooling around Guatemala at the time. I don't yeah. know what we were thinking, but um, a, a lot of <laughs> we people... had a great time. That that was a great trip. That's one of my favorites. Those forty-one people of the forty-one, I would say thirty-nine of the forty-one have continued to come back time and time again. <laughs> so interesting. Um, I actually, if I remember right, too, I I showed up to that one. I mean, after the first one, after Ecuador, it's like this this is my thing. Race to adventure is the, the people that are on there are are so open and welcoming and fun. All all just. Good-hearted people, open-minded, open to trying and, and, and seeing different things. And so, so after the runs, or where you're hanging out in the downtime, is just good conversation. So I, I think I showed up to Guatemala. Is it Guatemala City on day X? Okay, I'm there. Yeah. I had no idea what the itinerary was the entire <laughs> week. It's like merits a charge. I'm just following. Let's go. Yeah, that's a good feeling to have. You go on oh. vacation and just like forget about everything else. You know you're gonna have a great time. 
because Merritt planned it for you. <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I got to tell you, I remember this. I, you know, sometimes, like for me, like I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, right? But I can remember the first day that I saw Blake again in Guatemala, in Guatemala City. I remember the bar that we walked into. I remember learning um, how to do a shot, and it's called a no face, where you Slap have to face? do the no, no. It's a no Slap face shots. shot. No face shot. <laughs> Man, we, we do, do the shot shots that night. <laughs> we do, you do the shot and you make no face. You can't be like, ugh, or, oh, or, ugh. It has to be no face. No Mary's making great faces right now for those that can't see it because this yeah. is audio. Those faces yeah. were classic. I remember that. And then I remember some new racers in 2012 who, again, they come back time and time again as well. Rachel and Sarah are their names. And they had a little too much fun on the first night before our first, we had to leave. And like, we're, and I had to talk the day before, like, be on time. If you're late, everyone's late. And of course, everyone's sitting on the bus. Blake is laughing. Blake's laughing. Blake is laughing so hard right now. Everybody had to be on the bus and they weren't there. I'm counting heads and I'm like, oh, those, those two, Rachel and Sarah. I go and knock on their door. They opened up their room like it was a college dorm room. They're like, hello? <laughs> Not like, sorry, we're almost out. We'll be right there. They were like, like fast asleep still fast asleep and i was i was an angry i was a disappointed dad i don't i don't really raise i don't raise my voice but i get very disappointed and i was very and they felt horrible they were never late for a bus they haven't been late for a bus since 2012 i think that's the only time that i recall that i mean most usually everybody is ready to go it might be the only morning that like that happened truly um, so, but, but to get back to that original, original question there, Russell is, um, the reason why everyone's so good hearted and it's so easy to socialize and make new friends is because there's no judgment. And, um, I think that again, like at an ultra running race and an Uber eco challenge, not that people are judging you, but everybody's reached a certain level of athleticism. Um, and, and that that's different than race to adventure. Race to Adventure, a lot of people haven't reached that level. But, you know, Blaine is a very, very good runner. Blaine would would develop a little bit of a community at the front of the pack. They would be done with the race sooner than others. And they would hang out and they would, you know, razz each other and like really develop a a pretty strong bond at at the front of the pack. Well, what's really interesting is that the same type of bond is happening in the middle of the pack, is happening at the back of the pack. Like someone who came and twisted their ankle on the first day, and an older person who maybe has trekking poles, and they become good friends, and they share stories along the way. I always tell people, I no bird watchers are allowed. Like, I need you moving at your best and your <laughs> fastest pace um, because that would hold up the group at the end. Um, but anyone and everyone can come. And the other thing is, because these races are over by 9.30, 10 in the morning, the rest of the day really is seeing the country with all of these people, sitting on a bus and traveling and caravanning and seeing as much as you possibly can over the course of eight days, mm-hmm. having every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, really, really good food too, by the way, um, with different people. And I would always say, and I always do say, and you, you guys know this, I say challenge yourselves to not sit with the same people every day and to learn uh, and, and meet people from different places because – you know, now Race to Adventure has anywhere between, I would say, 100 and 200 participants. 
Um, I've made the conscious decision not to go past 200. 200 is a lot. It's four coach buses. But even then, if you challenge yourself to not get super comfortable with your group um, and just pick up and sit down and have lunch with someone that you haven't met yet, um, you'll find them just as welcoming as your friends that you brought on the trip. Yep. It's the strangest thing. I <laughs> no, don't even amazing. understand how this culture got created. I mean, I do because we we did it along the way, right? But like it organically turned into something that is so genuine and sincere and the people around you are just people that you you would love to surround yourselves with. So, so there's something about when you push yourself to get out of your comfort zone and you know other people are doing the same that really you're putting yourself in a place of vulnerability and everybody else is kind of there too. And so you're right. There's no judgment. Everybody is a little bit more open. So you're already, you're going to a different country. You're maybe hitting a harder trail than what you're used to or harder run. This is not just running down the road anywhere where these races take place. Yeah. You're meeting new people. You're seeing new things. You're out of your comfort zone. And sometimes it takes that to really build that bond, that community, right? So any relationship is like that. You have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit, be a little bit more vulnerable, and then you can create that community with other people. Oh, there's so, so, so many well different said. parts. So many different I mean, parts. You can get that with running a little bit, and, and that's where I find trail running has really opened up that world, and that's why I'm doing things like this podcast. Yeah. Um, you get that with travel a little bit too. And that's the beauty of Race to Adventure, that you have so many aspects of that coming together. You have running and exercise. You have culture. You have travel, and they're all in one place, and they're directed by someone who just loves watching other people enjoy themselves. That's why Merritt does this. <laughs> Merritt does it because he loves watching everybody else having a great time. Well, I, selfishly, I like having a great time also. <laughs> True. But, I mean, it's you want everybody to have a great time with you. You're like, let's I have do. more people could just come have a blast and all those things that it's not just about having fun, but that comes with it when you have that community, when everybody feels like they're out of their comfort zones, but in a safe place where they can just enjoy one another's company, run, eat, learn, travel, but do it everybody together i love i love that and i love that you notice it and that you felt it and you've been a part of it um you know for me like it means the world to me at the very end um and we're having our final party whether it be at the guinness brewery uh or in ibiza or wherever and people are just coming up to me saying that was the best week of my life or this or in the middle of the week saying everything just keeps getting better and better and thank you so much like you have to know that's what fuels me that's yeah. all that matters to me. And, um, and I just, oh, man, I love it. Now, I will say conversely, and it's only happened a few times, where a racer might come up to me and tell me why they're not, um, why, they, why yesterday was not good. Sure. Or why the hotel they stayed in was not, you know, suitable. And that, that really hurts me. Like, truly. I don't brush that off. I'm not like, well, just deal with it, okay, because that's where <laughs> we're staying. I'm like, I'm so sorry, like, you know, you can always come talk to me. Like I need as much constructive feedback as possible. We we're always open to getting better. And, um, 
it bums me out. Like it's like it can literally bring me down for 24 hours because I look around, I know everybody else is having a great time, but like if one of 150 people are not like I'm acutely aware and I'm just, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to make that right. So, um, so yeah, so thanks for noticing, but, um, you know, the other thing that's really cool is that a lot of people, cause we have a great Facebook page and you know, so, there's definitely the, the Uber participants that are on there more often than others. And I think that when people sign up for it, they're like, oh my gosh, everybody's going to know each other. It's kind of like going to summer camp for the first time. Or um, if you ever went to a local college where you know like there's going to be a lot of people coming from that town and I'm not from that town. And, um, and I think there's that initial like I just don't know what I've gotten myself into. And that's why I love that registration day and where we have everybody sitting down and answering questions and um, allowing them to um, to get a little bit more comfortable. But one of the things I do is I say, stand up. You guys know this. Stand up if it's your first race. And people stand up. And it's usually around 50%. It's usually a little bit like 50-50. 50 alumni, 50, 50 brands. A lot of first-timers. Face, they're a little hesitant to stand up. They're kind of looking around. They're a little bit nervous. Yeah. But, uh, go, go, on, go on. No, but, th- but then you've got 75 people out of 150, like, oh, (laughs) you know, I thought everybody knew each other. And it's like, no, that's not the case. And then I have everybody stand up, like church-esque, right? Kind of the peace be with you, uh, where you you stand up and just go find someone you don't know, you've never ever met, and start talking to them. It's one of my favorite parts of the week. (laughs) You can't hear, you can't hear a thing. There's like literally, so let's just say there's 200 people. Well, there's 100 conversations happening. And I let that go on for, I don't know, five, five to 10 minutes because that, those people are getting to know each other. And like, then they sit down and we get back to the question, the Q and A and everything else and the agenda. But like, it's just another great example of how easy it could be to just branch out and say, you know, um, I'm, I'm open to meeting people and I'm open to conversation and I'm open to enjoying this experience with you. And then the last thing I will say, I'll give kudos to our man, Sergio, Sergio Sanchez. Yeah. Uh, Sergio is our course director and he is a Tico. He is from Costa Rica. I've known him since 2007. Um, he is a great partner to me. And I think the other thing that people really appreciate after say the first race day is number one, how much they enjoyed the course. Like, wow, that was beautiful. I would have never found that on my own. Mm -hmm. Number two, how safe they feel. We have people sweeping in the back. We've got our timers in the front. We've got radio communication. Sergio's running the course up and down. He's making sure everyone's okay. We've got medical personnel. And I think even after that first day, someone that's brand new um, says, okay, not only um, am I having a great time, but these people have my interests in mind and my safety in mind. And I think all that um, anxiety tends to wash over people after day one and two. I mean, you tell me, you guys tell me, like after day one and two, did you start to feel like a little bit like, okay, I'm feeling a rhythm here? Absolutely. Um, I like that you brought that up. So the running part is amazing. So you're right. Sergio does such a great job of picking out courses each day that are manageable for a wide range of people. So manageable for people that are hiking and may be taking their time and manageable for people that are pushing it and trying to see what they can do. Um, every single race is a bit of a challenge too. 
So even if even if you're a runner, I I run. That's what this this podcast is for runners. So these races, while they're short, they're not easy. They're they have a thousand feet of climb over their five to ten k, or they're uh, up and over sand dunes in Chile, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> or or they're or they're right along a cliff edge in Ireland, but they're the most beautiful trails. They're right along the cliff line in um, in Spain. Skirt, for, skirt in the Mediterranean Sea yeah. there. Uh, Costa Brava, that's the word that I've Oh, yeah, to Costa mind. Brava in Spain. Um, or like up and over a mountain or through olive uh, orchards or... I love um, that one. <laughs> through, through fields or through a, a park in Ireland. I've only been to two. I've been to Spain and Ireland. But these the places where... Uh, they choose for these courses are just like the top five little trails, five to 10K trails that they can find in the country. And they pack those in to where it's easy to do another activity to get to get there in the morning, then have the rest of the day to do some other activity, uh, whether it's sponsored with uh, the whole group or off on your own. And it's just that perfect combination. But for all those runners that are listening like oh those sound like pretty short races it's the perfect amount of challenge and beauty and time so that you run you get that high from running uh and then you go off to the next activity or adventure for that day um so the running part of it is phenomenal like it would just it'd be hard i was actually thinking if i made a race to adventure in tennessee you could find some pretty awesome trails, but when you're, that's I, I live here. And I, I know this area. You guys are picking these trails around the world in Ecuador and Peru and Chile and Spain and Ireland, and they're out of this world, places to run and, and uh, hike and see. All that part is spectacular too. Yeah, you know, the process of that is fun, right? Mm-hmm. Some people love to bake even more yeah. than they like to eat. And so, <laughs> so, so Sergio and I... We bake. Um, uh, we're always baking new courses, new itineraries in new countries, and we love it. But yeah. like, just to give you an example, um, it's not just one American and one Costa Rican, you know, doing this. We have um, locals uh, in New Zealand. We have Nathan Fave. Nathan mm-hmm. Fave, and if, if anybody listening doesn't know him, you should absolutely look him up. Um, his last name is F A apostrophe. A-V-A-E. He's, he's Maori or Maori, I want to say it correctly. Um, the indigenous people of New Zealand. Mm-hmm. He's the most accomplished adventure racer of all time. More championships. He is the most amazing athlete I know. And um, he, he was sponsored by Seagate for over a decade. They've won world championships over and over again. His team's of four. And he is, he is the driving force behind them. He's our course director in New oh, Zealand. Oh, man, that's amazing. How cool is that? <laughs> that is so cool. Now, I met Nathan in 2001 at the Eco Challenge in New Zealand, and we stayed in touch, and I reached out to him. And I showed him what we were doing with Race to Adventure, and I said, I would nice. love for you to help me build the perfect itinerary. And I would tell them where I want to go. Like, I know things that I want to see. Mm-hmm. I want to see the Milford Sound. I want to see Queenstown. I want to see Fox Glacier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we make sure to hit the points that are very important and what I know our, our group will love. And then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah, we can do this right <laughs> over here. Yeah, all right, yeah. 
Um, he might not like that because I think that's an Aussie accent, not a New Zealand one. But, oh man, close um, enough for most of us. But anyhow, he so uh, so we've been partnering with him, um, and he you know on, on Strava is showing us like where he's thinking about going and what do you think about this? And we're like, well, let's shorten that, but let's lengthen that piece over there. Um, and then the the other one that we have in 2021, which is on the Danube River in Central Europe. Oh man, I can't wait for that one. I'm starting to giggle. I'm doing the giggles. Um, so we, we we leased a a riverboat. We leased a giant riverboat on the Danube River. 110 racers will go from the Budapest whole thing, to... not just part of it. That's right. Boat. You bought up the whole thing. I did. I bought the boat. And my, and my wife keeps saying, like, stop saying you bought you bought. <laughs> I'm like, I did. I bought a boat for two weeks. Two weeks. So um, so we're going to do one group that goes from Budapest to Munich. That one's sold out. And then um, the next one goes from Munich to Budapest. So we're going to reverse the itinerary. And that one's 50% full right now. But so anyhow, so um, one of our faithful staff members, his name is Mike Fricky, is not a course designer, but Mike Fricky's great. And he knows Race to Adventure. He and he's been with us since yeah. 2007. Well, Mike was already over in Europe. And I said, Mike, I'd love for you to spend a little bit more time over there. And I want you to drive to each port. And I want you to, to make friends with the locals. He's very good. He's very good at that. Um, and I want you to at least start to plant seeds of where we should be having our courses at each port. Because when the riverboat ports, that's where we have our race. Mm-hmm. Um, and we continue on. So there won't be a lot of packing and unpacking of your suitcases like there, like there is typically, and it'll be a whole other deal. Well, then Sergio, Sergio Sanchez, our true course director, well, he just recently competed in a revival of the Eco Challenge. Oh, nice. So Mark Burnett. And Bear Grylls is hosting this thing on Amazon Prime, and it should come out this fall. They've done all the editing, everything's done, but like they brought the Eco Challenge back. And our course director was on Team Costa Rica. <laughs> and he raced against Nathan Fave from New Zealand. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> they were competitors, right? Yep. Now, like a reality show, they can't tell us if one what? of those teams won. They can't tell us if they finished and completed the course. They can't tell us these things. So I can't wait to watch it yeah, um, yeah. on Amazon Prime. But so Sergio meets a lot of racers as he races around the world. He's an amazing, accomplished racer. Well, he met an amazing racer that is from Eastern Europe. And he is flying over um, likely a year in advance before our race in September of 2021. And he's meeting up with this woman who designs courses in Eastern and Central Europe. Oh, wow. And they will be doing the courses for the riverboat <laughs> now that Mike Fricky has, like, got over there and, you know. Made some friends. Made some friends. <laughs> we have a base of, of intel now. Laid so, the groundwork. Yep, exactly right. So we always try and partner up. Like, it's Sergio and it's me and we're baking, but we're typically baking with a tourism agency and or accomplished racers uh, from those countries. Hence mm-hmm. how we how we get those really cool untapped places you wouldn't have found on your own. So that part's fun too. I'm sure. Yep. If Sergio needs a partner to uh, go over there early, I'll sign up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll run with Sergio. I'll put you uh, on the list. Europe. I'll put you yes. on the list. Yes. <laughs> Cool. Keep, keep me in the camp of the blind person who shows up on day one to be surprised. <laughs> Yes, exactly right. Well, and also, I'm very excited for that one, too, and I get the giggles because um, the riverboat seed had been planted by a racer in Ireland in 2019. 
And she said, Merritt, you know, I, I'm having the best time. And I was driving her in this nine passenger van from one place to the other. And she was at the back of the pack and she had the best time. You know, the whole packing and unpacking every other day and spending two nights, two nights, two nights, two. She's like, I, I really like it. I know that we need to do it this way so that we can see everything. But, you know, I was just wondering if there might be a way that we could see a lot of things and travel all the while. But I'd never have to pack or unpack. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know, a riverboat. And I said, oh, Gail. <laughs> Gail. I think I just might do that. So then I thought, um, you know, river, so awesome. the riverboats are interesting because um, they're, they're known for being sleepy for people that are very, very, very old and like chandeliers and silk linens and stuff like that. Well, I actually partnered with a, a riverboat company, very, very well known called Uniworld, and they have built two boats that are designed specifically for millennials. They're trying to turn a corner in the riverboat industry to say that we are not just for very, very, very old people. And we are not sleepy and we are not boring. We are exciting. There's a DJ booth. There's like this big top floor that has like really cool loungy couch spaces. There's foosball on board. And they do like a very small continental breakfast, which we will have before the race. And then they really focus on brunch from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. <laughs> so we're going to do that. So the other thing about the riverboat is that typically those itineraries are like, see all the castles of Germany for 16 days. Mm. And not to say that those castles aren't beautiful, but I just know my people um, <laughs> and we do eight nights. Like that's what we do. And we like to see a lot. And um, just to see the castles of Germany along, you know, whatever rivers up there um, wouldn't, wouldn't be right. So I found an itinerary that is four countries in eight nights. Actually it's in seven nights, um, four countries. And we end at the Oktoberfest in Munich. Like, that is the quintessential <laughs> mother of all mother beer tents at the end of a race. <laughs> um, and and that, for the itinerary coming back, it's actually going to kick them off. They're going to start at the Oktoberfest and reverse it back to Budapest. Yeah. Um, so that'll be the biggest and best icebreaker there's ever been. <laughs> um, so um, I can't I can't wait for that one. It does. Uh, the whole thing sounds phenomenal i'm i'm with you i get giddy if, thinking about doing it too the after party at uh guinness brewery wasn't big enough like well, there, there's it's, it's tough to cap, cap that off uh and beat that i think you maybe this is the time Munich. i think maybe this is the time for uh what really happened in ibiza stories for <laughs> for those that want to know we don't what know what really happened. Is. Oh, <laughs> what happened in Ibiza stays in Ibiza. Is that I how it goes? To, I would love to tell you that was the case, but I, you know, it was just not that way. Like we did, we were at a club till five in the morning, but it turned out like there is club season, and it kind of kicks around like literally this weekend, Memorial Day weekend in the U.S. is like where club season kicks off in Ibiza, and we were there the week before. And so, okay, for some it... reason, like the DJs were like the JV DJs or something. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like Zed wasn't coming until next week. Next oh, week? you're just gonna miss, you know, whoever. Um, uh, 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 what's his name? Um, Marshmallow. You're just gonna miss Marshmallow. Um, so anyhow, so um, it, but but I will say this: like we could have just done the mainland of Spain and Costa Brava and spent an extra day there, but there was this opportunity to get everybody on a plane and fly them over to Ibiza for the last race and to have the final party. And how could you do How could you not do that? Exactly. Um, and what, there were about 120 of us on that race. And um, we all had a great time. But the funny thing is, 
had a great time that night. It was a great final ceremony. Luciana played her videos and showed her pictures, and we celebrated as we typically do. Some people spun off to bars. Um, some people uh, ended up getting all the way to the club, like 2 a.m. and on, but probably, I don't know, about 20 of us, and we all had fun. It was very uh, harmless fun. To, <laughs> I'm sorry to say. It was very harmless fun. Um, <laughs> but what was great was we got back to uh, the hotel room. I think we went to bed at 6. We got up at 8. We got two hours of sleep, and I said, back to the club, guys, to all the staff. <laughs> so I was sharing a room with a bunch of staff members, and I'm like, let's go. I mean, we're all Lee and Ibiza. I'm, I'm not going back. Um, and we were flying out that afternoon. And so we like, ah, I'm trying to think. No, we didn't bring our bags, I don't think. But we didn't. Okay. So we, But we went to this club that basically opened at 10 in the morning. Day clubbing. Yeah. <laughs> and that was actually more fun than the final party. Like there was a 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. four-hour thing that happened at that club. That was so much fun. And, um, and everybody, I think people just didn't realize there was going to be this last hurrah this mm -hmm. way at a club in the middle of the day on the way back to Barcelona. And, um, it was, it was really something. So that's Ibiza. <laughs> the after party party. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. What uh, else? I love it. Well, you hit that us up a little bit ago. Um, you talk about, you know, your conversation with Gail and, um, you know, she's a, would you say a middle packer, back of the packer? She's, I mean, she's she's a back. solid runner. Middle, middle back, middle back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just before that was the range of people that go on this trip. Um, it was the riverboat you're talking about, and the old people on it, and it's just kind of blah 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 blah. Uh, the range of people you have code race adventure, early twenties to. 60s. Early seventies, early seventies, yeah, 60s. yeah, and, and maybe one or two of those, and one or two of the twenties, and then a lot. I don't of know the if three. there is a bell curve. There is a spattering of ages across. You just, just open-minded, different mm -hmm. talents, just di different backgrounds. I mean, um, it, it, that's part of the, the the joy of race to adventures, meeting all these different people from all the different backgrounds, and the judgment-free zone that it is. Yeah, um, just open and, and fun, and, and everybody that I talked to about, like, oh, well, I'm not really much of a runner. I was like. It's a run, but the run really isn't the whole thing. That's just what we do to get out, to get moving, to exercise. Like, come anyway. <laughs> it's hard to explain. It's for everyone. It, it really is. is. It basically, it really it's for is. anyone that's like up for adventure, up for exercise, and up for meeting others. I mm -hmm. think that pretty much sums it up. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like, we've had like this Delaware crew. Well, the Delaware crew, they're all in their 20s. Maybe they're not, now they're like 30, but Ten they were only 20. <laughs> <laughs> when they first came, they were definitely in their 20s. Um, and then uh, the Colorado crew, those guys are in their 30s and 40s. Um, the Tennessee crew are in their 30s. And then you've got like, um, there's like a Texan, Arizonan crew, uh, a Canadian crew that's in their 50s. Um, it, just, it just varies. It's all, we have mother, daughter, father, son, brother, sister. Um, husband, wife, of course, uh, all those things. Um, I really like, I have, I have great respect for the people that come by themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're, they're not alone. There's, there's never like one person that came by themselves. No. Typically, there are like eight to ten people that are solo travelers, couple male solo travelers, more so female solo travelers. I think just demographically, we cater to um, the female gender a little bit more just based on, you know, numbers. Um, the percentages are probably 
60% female, 40% male. Um, couldn't tell you exactly why, but that is that is what it is. And, How many uh, marriages have come out of Race to Adventure? Do we know? Are we running track? Oh, uh, well, like, <laughs> like met on Race yeah. to Adventure? Yeah. Is there any of those? I don't know. <laughs> I, I I would take up like two minutes and, and there'd be stale time on our podcast here <laughs> if I had to like think about right, it. So so how how many race to adventure tattoos are there? Oh, the foot. How many foots are there in tattoos on people? I think there's three or four. There's a handful, and they get free. So they get their expenses paid for every race to adventure <laughs> they come to with the tattoo. I mean, only if they like put it on their forehead, and <laughs> it's like, and I can count it as promotional marketing. <laughs> um, no, so but like yeah, there's a, there's definitely but there's um, there, there's a lot of people who maybe brought someone that they were dating mm-hmm. uh, for the first time on a race, like that was their yeah. big first trip together. Blaine, yeah. maybe you fall in this category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big that, first that's trip a together, right there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like you know, like let's just say that you're really enjoying your quality time with someone in your hometown. Well, a next step, little risky, <laughs> but the next step might be. How how might we travel together? Yeah. Um, so there's I think there's been a lot of that, sure. and I know a lot of people that have evolved into engagements, weddings, and now um, we've got like, these race to adventure baby boomer like people <laughs> right a, now. There's a handful out there, isn't there? I mean, aren't there literally like mm, six race to adventure couples with a child that is one year old, like in between zero and two? You keep up with it more than I do. I can think of three off the top of my head. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Did you did you count Vanessa Not, and Day and Runner? Yep. Not okay. only are we bringing people together, but we're making the next generation. <laughs> totally. Well, there actually are little um, race to adventure onesies that people make and say yes. like future, future R R two A or. Um, I love that stuff and like sometimes we know that we won't see those people for a little while we just hope that they come back right because they're in the they're in the the heat of their new chapter Um, but you know again to to Blaine's point like it's it's people who aren't even they're not dating they're in their early 20s they're grandparents there are a few grandparents that come on this trip yep and by the way, they're like the coolest grandparents, right? They're not like, ah, <laughs> slow down, Sonny. It's not that. <laughs> it's not that. Like super cool, athletic, you know, people in their 60s that are, you know, that have three, a few generations underneath them. Really, really yep. cool. That is. So, so anyhow, what else? I mean, here's the thing. I don't know. Do podcasts run for eight hours? Because um, I could talk to you for eight hours. <laughs> we could I'm talk guessing. that long. I really think that that might be the case. We could just like go year by year and you could tell us stories. Eight hours is hard for most people to swallow. Unless you're Michael Jordan, then you can get a 10-part documentary. A uh, eight-hour podcast. You guys but, don't think I'm worthy of a 10-part documentary? <laughs> you are. You are. But this is just setting the groundwork here. Okay. All right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, just, I mean, more, to, more sort of sum it up than anything. And obviously if you have a few more questions, let me know, but, um, I never knew what I was building really. I just mm-hmm. knew that I wanted to, I love building things and I love, like, since I was a kid in high school, I love to throw parties. Like if my parents were like, if they said, Hey, we're going away for just like two nights and we trust you. I'm like, I say, Oh, I'm like Ferris Bueller. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll just, I'll just, I'm just going to hang out. And then like three high schools would transcend upon my backyard. 
Um, I love throwing parties. <laughs> I love hosting. Like that's like innately within me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got to turn this into something really special. And my wife said to me, like, you can do it. Like she really encouraged me to take a risk, right? I was mm-hmm. scared. I didn't know what it, what it would become. And um, it's become more than I thought it ever would. And um, you, you had a, it almost died out at one point in time, didn't it? It totally it did. I called pa- it the final chapter. Panama. Panama was the last trip, It right? said like Panama, the final chapter. <laughs> the last dance. <laughs> I, and it really was. I thought like, oh, it's like so emotionally exhausting for me. I don't know how many people are going to come and not come. And I felt like I wanted to go out on a really high note. And I, because I called it the final chapter, I'd say there were about 100, I think, in Panama. And um, we had so much fun. I'm like, who am I kidding? I was like the coach. I was like the NFL coach that came out of retirement. Like, retirement one year later you know like you didn't even take a number of years to off coach for, like to coach for another back. 20 years that's exactly about the right. time you also threw your 40th birthday party right um well let's to see give, so i'm to give people 74 concept. 24 2014 you're right you're totally right huh like kind of hit the timeline where, yep. where merit so merit as a party planner a year plus out from his 40th birthday sends an email out to everybody he knows hey by the way i want to throw a birthday party my 40th at Lake Tahoe. Come on out if you want to. How many different countries are represented? How many people showed up to your 40th birthday party out there? <laughs> I, I took, can't remember took the vacations, cap- long weekend, whatever it was. Everybody kind of did their, did their own thing. But Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we got together to celebrate merit. That it was, was, awesome. it was uh, race to adventure numbers. I think it was probably like 140 or something like that. Gotcha. Just, and everybody, you know, had different accommodations. So but I, I, I leased a, a ferry boat on the lake, which was great. Uh, and we just did some fun things. We, we floated down the Truckee river and just, just fun things. Yeah. Um, so, um, did I lose my train of thought? Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. We're I, talking I about the oh there. yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. The final chapter. And then, yeah. I mean, well, after that I was like, okay, I can't stop doing this. And then I did Peru and we had our biggest numbers ever. We had 125 people go to Peru and we went to Machu Picchu. So it wasn't the final chapter. It was the race to Machu Picchu. Now we're talking, right? Like, and it was epic. Like that's definitely, you know, uh, my races are like chill, my children. Like I can't pick one. Um, you know, I don't, I don't rank, but like, I will say like Peru is definitely up there for me. Um, and then I was doing every other year. So, so I did 2013 Panama. I did 2015 Peru. 2017 was Chile and Chile. Holy cow. Like, I get it. Like my apologies to everybody that went to Chile who was constantly on the go that had a great time, but was constantly on the go because I said to Sergio, I said, I want to see all of Chile. Oh, Merit, man. (laughs) Merit, we can't do it, man. Like we can't do it. I'm like, Sergio, we can do it. I've been to Chile before. I know exactly the places that I want to hit. It's a very long country. It's the longest one there is, but we have to go to wine country. We have to start in Santiago. We have to get down to Patagonia, and we can't miss the lake region, which is right in the middle. He's like, oh, man, we can't do it. (laughs) Merit, man. And I'm like, we can do it. So we partnered up with a tourism agency. We had three internal flights in eight nights. Wow. Eight nights, three (laughs) internal flights. So I'm not fully apologizing. Like you guys got to see more of Chile Chile inside of eight nights than anyone's ever seen inside of eight nights. We literally (laughs) Santiago, then we bust it over to wine country. 
race there uh, had a great lunch at a winery. Oh man, do you remember that that lunch, Blaine? Yep. Yep. Oh, it was the, delicious. The meat like just kept coming. Um, and it was after a race, like you just earned that big, gigantic <laughs> meal on an orchard. Nice, relaxing place. On an orchard, 150 great. people eating like this amazing meal on an orchard. Wow. So then we go back to Santiago. Then we fly all the way down to Patagonia, Punta Arenas, Puerto Natales. Uh, we see penguins. We uh, go to Torres del Pan. And, uh, and then it's like, okay, now we have to go fly to the lake region. And we go, um, we go to Puerto Montt and to um, uh, what is that great little town that we stayed at? Do you remember? I can never remember the name of it. That that is my favorite part of that trip right there. Those last couple of days up there. Oh, the lake, Lake Osorno was there, um, and and then we flew back up to Santiago. I mean, people were exhausted. <laughs> exhausted. And we had a lot of first timers on that trip that we came did. right back, back again. They did. Came to Spain. They- they did that. indeed. And some of them who we haven't seen since Chile are coming back for New Zealand or Central Europe. So, um, so yeah, we, we have a great following. You know, the one thing about me is I am um, I'm kind of a horrendous marketer. Like that one <laughs> ad that Blaine saw on Trail Runner, I think it's like the only <laughs> ad and also I'm cheap, right? So, um, you know, print ads cost money and what do you really get out of them? Well, now I'm second guessing this because I got Blaine. Yeah, and Blaine and the, kept going to the races, and now he brings his friends and his wife. Yeah. All you needed was one ad, and you got twenty racers well, out of it. Well, now I know what I'm going to do next week. <laughs> Hello, trail runner. Let's do this. Full. Are page. you guys still printing? Full page spread. <laughs> yeah, are you still printing? Um, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, I think there is some power there. But I just, I love what we've created. I love the new people that come. I love when old people come back. Um, it's the highest form of flattery. Right, um, and I also think that in this COVID nineteen, what's life going to look like era that we're all in? Um, uh, I would say this: in the very near term, without question, there'll be a keener eye on domestic travel. We know that. Yeah. Um, I almost uh, built out a long weekend um, with some great partnerships outside of a national park for this upcoming September, but even that felt a little premature. Uh, so I think that um, you, you could likely see some things from Race to Adventure domestically in the coming years, but I would say um, don't wait for that. Like challenge yourself to get out of your comfort zone and get on a plane inside the next year, not tomorrow, but inside the next year and go see the world because life is too short. Like if we, ha- if we haven't been reminded of anything uh, but this one thing, it's that life is too short. That's why everyone's so scared. Everyone's so scared that their life will be shorter. That's why we're all in hiding. Um, and also that we need to uh, flatten the curve and all those other things that are super important and be wary sure. of medical supplies and beds and everything else. But what we can't do is stop living and stop seeing the world because we only have one go around. And there's no way I'm going to stop doing Race to Adventure internationally because I believe that that is a big component to someone's life. Like, for sure. If if Blaine didn't go to race to adventure in Ecuador, mm-hmm. Blaine might still be might still be traveling domestically. Now Blaine is an accomplished worldwide traveler across multiple continents, and I love that we can do that for the Blaines of the world. And then what about you, Russell? Like, was that that wasn't your first time overseas, was it? No. Now you've been. I actually. 
I actually went to Spain my very first time uh, when I was in high school. It is 1998. And going right. back to Spain two years ago was my first time going back to Spain. But so I started, I was, I was a bit of a traveler first. Um, but going back to Spain hooked me. I was like, I got to go back to Spain. I almost snuck onto that trip to Chile. There's one spot, I don't, you probably don't remember, there's one spot that somebody couldn't go and I emailed you because I had met Kayla and met Blaine and I almost snuck on like a month before and my work schedule just didn't line up right. So ah, Vaguely, I, vaguely familiar. I, did, I didn't quite make it, but I was once Spain was the next destination, I said, I have to go back to Spain. It had been 20 years since that first time. I, that was my very first experience. I went to live with a family in Madrid for a month and I walked off a plane, barely speaking more than like one year of high school Spanish, barely speaking anything. They lost my luggage. The family wasn't there to pick me up at the airport. And I was like, what am I doing? What and have I done? Fell, fell in love with traveling internationally after that. Well, you know, they always say you get, you get bit by the bug, right? Like golfers, mm -hmm. they get like their big hit, their big swing, and they get bit by the bug. Um, and I got bit by the bug the same year you did. It was 1998. I was 23 or four years old, 24, and I saved up all my vacation time and I backpacked Europe. I did the thing, right? I did the Eurorail yeah. thing with a buddy and I went all over and I have not stopped since. I mean, immediately after that trip, all I did was save money to go on another trip. And, <laughs> and, and the one thing I would do is I, and I would do it this way and I'd recommend this to anyone on the planet. I would say to my friends, I am going to, to Australia. I'm going. I've signed up. I'm gone on this bus for two weeks. I'm going to go up and down the coast. And I'm going with or without anyone. <laughs> I would love for you to come with me. That would be really cool if I had a friend come with me. But if you don't come with me, I'm going anyhow. <laughs> and um, I did that in Australia. I did that. I had my own solo trip in Ireland. I had my own solo trip in Spain. Um, I have friends, by the way. <laughs> uh, but they just would never do it like there's always a reason not to do it it's money right it's time it's, it's time. your job it's, work. it's, it's family sure. someone's sick someone's graduating well keep yep. making those excuses but you might have some regrets when it's all over and done with if you don't put all that stuff to the side for one sec do something for yourself and go see the planet i also believe that people who travel internationally are bigger better greater stewards of the planet. Um, and I think that that matters a lot, you know, just having a more global mindset. Um, mm. and, and also seeing, um, third world nations. Yep. Like I get that sometimes we want to turn a blind eye to that because we live in our bubble, whether it be your neighborhood, your state, your country, it's a bubble. Um, but when you can, when you go and you can, you take it all in, it's hard, um, but you know, providing tourism to those countries is very important. Bringing those school supplies down makes you feel really, really good, but it just opens your eyes to the fact of how um, privileged you are and how thankful and grateful you should be. And um, you know, I wouldn't say that we've done that in recent years with like the Irelands and Spains, but we definitely did it with the um, Guatemalas. Panamas, Peru's, Chile's, um, and um, 
yeah, it's, it's just an important piece of, of understanding all that's around you and all this planet has to offer. So absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I love that we could be, uh, uh, the bug that bites you the way it did Blaine, or I love that studying abroad bit you <laughs> the way that backpacking Europe bit me. And, um, I just, I, I can't recommend it more. And I, and I also think that a lot of people say, well, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I don't even know how to do it. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that Race to Adventure is, at least in my mind, an affordable price point for an all-inclusive eight-night, all-you're-running-everything transportation adventure. Um, but I'd love to think that we also give someone peace of mind where they can look at the itinerary and go, okay, they've figured it out for me. I just yeah. need to get there. Such an easy, that's, You're right. That is, a, that is the place to begin because there's so much support. There's so much thought put into it. There's so much done for you. You're right. It's a, it is a great starting, get in, starting get with point. the flow, feel a little uncomfortable, blend in with the crowd. If you're feeling saucy, get out there <laughs> and meet the locals yourself. Great way to branch out into it. I'm pretty sure. So Matt Fadley, I met him uh, in Ireland this last year. I'm pretty sure Love that Matt. was kind yeah. of his very first time really out of the country and kind of the same thing. He was a little bit nervous and it was just like the perfect experience. He's kind of a, uh, gotten excited about even more trips and going other places i was i was just about to say he's on he's signed he's registered he and his wife jamie uh jamie yeah yep yep are registered for at least one maybe two of the future trips right now yeah um and yeah we had a lot of first timers in ireland and Mm -hmm. they are back um they are coming back and i'm sure that ireland for a lot of people was oh man i gotta go to ireland i've always wanted to go to ireland and they got there and like ireland is great but also this whole experience is fantastic, right? So I think everybody's kind of says that in different places too. I mean, those countries that you've gone to are all amazing countries. Well, and you I, guys didn't see those bagpipers coming, did you? <laughs> we did not. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Always cooking something up. <laughs> they were fun. They were so much fun. That was. Um, I look back on that video, that race video, fondly. And I knew that we were going to have so much footage that we had to do two songs. It's the only race to adventure video uh, with two songs um, because I just, I knew Luciana was going to be capturing so much. And by the way, I don't know if like the last time you guys looked at the video, but, but know this (laughs) number one, blue skies at cliffs of more very rare. I've had so many people tell me how jealous they were that it was So, so clear. So there's number one. Number two, yeah. uh, um, low winds at Cliffs of Moore, not high winds because that's where mm-hmm. fatalities come from, where people get blown mm-hmm. off the cliffs, right? Low winds, very rare. Bringing a drone and <laughs> capturing it when you're told that you can't and that drones are illegal at Cliffs of Moore, near impossible. <laughs> but we got there early in the morning. If you guys remember, we, we showed up super early yeah, at Cliffs of Moor. Else. And we did yeah. that instead of the instead of the race that morning. It was just like a trek along the Cliffs of Moor. And Luciana's like, I'm going to just throw my drone up here and see if I can get some shots. <laughs> and I, I get to look back at that and through the Race to Adventure video. And um, I don't know if anyone has footage of Cliffs of Moor like we do. I don't know if Ireland... Like yeah. if the government <laughs> has footage of the Cliffs of Moore like we do. I don't know. I could be wrong, but. On the, uh, I think it was the night before we went to the Cliffs of Moore. 
um, at the hotel. We ate, and then there was the fiddlers and the dancers. The mm-hmm. entertainment that evening mm-hmm. was just great for hours on end. Yeah, um, impressive, impressive. Well, a lot of you fun. know, one of the things that's just impressive about Ireland in general is how much music is playing. Like on All a Tuesday yeah. at ten in the morning <laughs> in a small town, there is a pub that has live music. Yeah. And that is, whoa. Like the Ring of Kerry, where we went to all those little towns, mm-hmm. and the Ring of Kerry was we went kind of southwest. Um, there wasn't a town that didn't have multiple bars with live right. music playing. Yeah, How cool is that? I mean, that's the mm-hmm. kind of music you would just die for in the United States. But like you might see it on St. Paddy's Day with like someone covering Sunday Bloody Sunday. You're <laughs> like, oh, we could do better. Um, and Ireland does it so right that form of hospitality is um, there was a time there was like that really really big bar in Killarney that wonderful wonderful bar in Killarney it has all the different rooms and compartments and like there's live music in multiple rooms there are multiple Mm -hmm. bands inside one bar yeah that was such an amazing place Um, and it closed down and um it, well, no, it did close down. I mean, like that night, it closed down. Like they were like, okay, it's one in the morning, everybody go. <laughs> I somehow in this maze wound my way to where one of our bus drivers was mm-hmm. and one of our racers. <clears throat> Excuse me, we only had one Irish racer and her, her aunt was there. And the Irish, the racer was probably in her 50s. The aunt was in her um, maybe 80s. And she was sitting down singing Irish ballads. Oh, wow. And she had had a few. <laughs> and I got to sit down and sing with her. And she said to me, do you want a drink? And I said, well, I think the bar's closed. She's like, that's my grandson behind the bar. <laughs> Rory, Rory, get him a drink. And he poured me a glass of scotch. And till three in the morning, we listened to Irish ballads and the bus driver sang them. And um, the, <clears throat> the aunt of the, the racer sang them. And I even chimed in on one that I knew because I love Irish ballads. Um, uh, it's called the um, the Parting Glass. You know the Parting Glass. Uh, it's a poem. You should read it if you haven't uh, read it before or heard it before. But it's it's beautiful. And so there I was at three in the morning singing Parting Glass in <laughs> Ireland in Killarney with a woman whose grandson was bartending <laughs> and only standing there because his grandmother told him to. <laughs> and, um, you know, those are the things I'll just never forget. Yeah, what an experience. That is spectacular. Yeah. So, um, well, I know that we could go on and on, uh, but um, I think this is where I must bid you adieu. Okay. I have one last plug. Yes. When you decide Race to Adventure domestic, Blaine and I got Tennessee Appalachian Highlands. Okay, I love we will that. Get, we'll we will play horses. We, we, you, you can just like kick your feet back and say Russ and Blaine got this. We'll do, we'll do the rest. Uh, I'm kind of almost sold on that one. What's it up? would be phenomenal. We could do some awesome stuff here. Mountaintops, valleys, yeah. streams. Like planet in the fall Trail. when like the leaves are changing. We Second, people would flock, man. People would flock. It would be awesome. Okay, well then we should do it. Let it let it simmer. Let it bake. Let it simmer. Yeah. Do what yep. you think. You you guys know me well enough. My wheels are already turning. I'm you might see my eyeballs aren't looking at the screen anymore. They're like okay. I'm kinda like rain <laughs> man right now. Wondering how we'll how we'll do this. But no, I, I think that um some domestic long weekends yeah. for people looking to kind of dip their toe 
in your race yeah. to adventure versus dive head first um, makes sense. But my plug on top of your plug is get out there, get out of your comfort zone, go to that yep. country, go to that distant far off land, break the bank. What are you saving your money for? Like experiences. <laughs> it's all about experiences. Haven't you heard that your nice brand new shiny car doesn't matter and you can't take it with you? You know, like come with us. It's too Absolutely. much fun. <laughs> Merritt, you rock, man. This is exactly what so many people want to hear. Uh, you guys rock too. This. It's great. I have a it's, it's great seeing your faces. And I can't wait to see the two of you together with me in the same room somewhere soon. Like I just Same. Same. If not Costa Rica. Still openings for Costa Rica? November? Uh, I've got a few. I've got a few. <laughs> for you, anything. We've got we've got a hundred and um we, oh, by the way, I'll just say we have hundred and thirty-four signed up. And um we were supposed to go in April. And thanks to our Tico connections and really amazing racers. Um, uh, eight can't go anymore and the rest are all still in nice. so they moved to November willingly and thankfully and so we're just all looking forward to it and I think Costa Rica is looking forward to opening their borders and having some tourism dollars and uh, everything else mm-hmm. down there pretty soon too so we feel really good about November yeah yeah, that's awesome cool alright guys thanks Merritt you rock man bye bye bye, bye.